Hello, and welcome to Manga Explaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read much manga before. Hosted by Davaoki, David Brothers, Chip Zdarsky, and myself, Christopher Butcher, please follow along with our show notes and reading lists at mangasplaining.com. This week, it's just David and I for the first little bit. David, how you doing? I apologize to our listeners for taking out the rest <laughs> of the cast in a vicious Game <laughs> of Thrones-style Red Christmas. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a holiday. <laughs> no, we're only here for like a short few seconds because this is a very special episode. We're actually going to tape together with like twine and duct tape our two separate manga explaining listen to me segments that we recorded that were maybe at one time going to be appended to the end of other episodes. But we had the great idea. I think David actually had the great idea of like, why don't we slap them together and make it an episode so we can all have a week off. David, good job, buddy. Yeah, the secret history behind that is that if you've listened to the podcast, you're aware that it's really tough for us to stay, I don't know, timely, on time. <laughs> yeah, Our conversations run long, let's say. And the same is true when we talk to our friends who work in manga or enjoy manga. So we kept coming up with all these manga spending listen to me segments, which originally I think we said, oh, it'll be 10 minutes that were, <laughs> you know, yeah. 30 and 45 minutes long. <laughs> and we thought, what if instead of failing each time we do one of these we set ourselves up for success and do a standalone episode sort of with a maybe a long interview and a shorter interview maybe two interviews of equal length the sky's the limit now we took away our barriers we took off our ankle weights in naruto speak <laughs> oh i i was actually thinking you were going with the weighted clothing that goku was wearing but you oh, got same like thing. a whole generational yeah. new shonen jump <laughs> reference for us that's perfect I'm old. All right. So yeah, don't worry. The regular format's going to come back next week, but we wanted to do something special this week. And also we wanted a week off. Yeah, we got two interviews this time out. The first interview was myself and Chip, actually. We got together in person, even though we both live in Toronto, the whole situation being what it is, we didn't get to see each other very much. But we actually, on a very low case count day, got went to a bar patio and ordered a glass of sparkling rosé, and chatted with another local friend, translator Jocelyn Allen. We we chatted about manga. We chatted about the manga we loved. We had some questions for Jocelyn. And yeah, it's a really fun interview. It is also recorded outside at a bar. So it's the literal worst sound quality that we've ever put into your ears. I am personally sorry. It was my fault. It was worse than the episode that we lost due to technical problems <laughs> and had to do from like the live. It's it's like it's a little rough. It's, it's a lot fair of fun. similitude. It's like you're sitting <laughs> yeah, with us at the manga explaining cafe. I feel like that's what people want, right? They want they they want to like sit and hang out and, and laugh with us. And there's a like my husband's in the whole episode. He doesn't say even one word. So you, you're just like, Andrew, you're like at that level now, manga explaining listeners. It's pretty good. Yeah, I think there might be one reference to him in there, but yeah. Lincoln, you'll miss it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we could, could be other people there. You don't know who was. Maybe Deb and David were there and they just didn't have a lot to say that day. <laughs> so yeah, so it's a fun interview and it goes for about 45 minutes or so. And then we have a little break and maybe an advertising break. And it goes to a special episode interview that David was a part of. David, you want to talk about that? Yeah. So Deb had the great idea after our Vinland Saga episode. Well, basically, people love Vinland Saga. We love Vinland Saga. And one of the people who loves Vinland Saga is Ben Applegate, the director of publishing services at Random House, at Penguin Random House, rather, closely tied with Kodansha, the publisher. Mm -hmm. And he 
basically was game to come on and talk about the book with us for a little bit, talk about the making of, the localization of it, the design. We have some actual news. Like he spilled some secrets that there's, no one has said online. There's some big secrets in this. I'm very <laughs> excited, actually. Yeah. And for a short chat, I think we get pretty deep into the book. So it's a nice compliment to the original episode, which is kind of like the goal of the manga explaining listen to me, is that mm. we've got four take artists, let's say. But there's always other points of view to consider. And Ben comes with some really good perspective on the series, both as like a fan of the work and also as someone involved with the production of it. It's a real fun interview. It may be the first time Manga Explaining is mentioned on anime and manga news websites. <laughs> so we'll see yeah, how that fingers goes. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed, but also fingers not crossed. I don't know. I'm kind of like the level that we're at now. I don't want anyone to know that we exist anymore, but <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. So I guess we've talked enough. We should probably, the funny thing is the next segment, I just start talking forever too. So it's in media res, right? Chris, shut up. Chris, <laughs> shut up. David, send us to the episode. Yeah, so we're going to head to the Manga Splaining Manga Cafe featuring Chris and Chip interviewing Jocelyn Allen. Stay tuned. We're in for some good times. Hello and welcome to Manga Splaining Listen to Me, a bonus feature here on the Mangacast where we get a little more in-depth with some non-manga subjects, but some very manga people. Join today... I'm Christopher Butcher. I'm joined today by our podcast co-host, Mr. Chip Zdarsky. Chip, how are you doing? I, I feel like your affectation, <laughs> when we're in public, is very different than when we're actually doing the podcast. Hello. That's because I'm trying to keep it pro, but when I'm doing the podcast, I'm usually... I'm keeping it pro, too. <laughs> we're at a bar. We're at a bar. I'm sure David will do his traditional audio magic to take out as much of the background as he possibly can but just in case that's why things are a little bit a little bit louder a little bit freer a little bit looser on this particular mug explaining listen to me listen to me yeah all right get going or am i talking too much yeah all right today we're joined by jocelyn allen chris you can list credits <laughs> can i <laughs> So we're here with translator Jocelyn Allen, who we have called out on the podcast many times for being the translator of some of our favorite works. Most recently, and the reason that it all sort of came together that we should do this, thank you, David, for the idea, BL Metamorphosis. BL Metamorphosis is the book that Chip loved so much, he's like, what if we went back and read the rest of that for another episode? So other than Akira, which I think of as more of our framing structure for the podcast yeah that's the first book that we were like we got to go back and get some more of that we got to get some more of that that manga almost did it with even though we're adults yeah i kind of close i I actually want to read that one some more as well but i here i think maybe jocelyn translated that as well i maybe did translate that as well well we got lots to talk about jocelyn thank you so much for joining us thank you so much for having me i love to be listened to (laughs) (laughs) it's funny i actually didn't really listen to podcasts when we were talking about podcasts back in the day and you were like a like a regular podcast listener like you had your favorites you had been on lots of podcast interviews and things like that do you like us do you like our podcast <laughs> like what, where, do we, where do we rank yeah i didn't know i was gonna have to come out and validate you yeah this, no, this is all about us we're not even <laughs> did you like our episode on the book you translated please say yes and which one of us did you like the most 
Okay, that's a hard one, but I'm going to have to come down firmly on the side of Chip there. Mm -hmm. No, I mean Deb. Clearly Deb, but well, go on. Deb obviously rules at all times and all places. <laughs> sure, but where is but she? she's not here where right is now. Where is she? Exactly. You know? <laughs> she really wanted to be part of this. She would have flown up from San Francisco. Exactly. Where's, where's her, her, her drive, her passion? I really feel like she would have come if we had invited her. Probably wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. She's got those air miles. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's really interesting because I never thought I would make a podcast, and I never thought that Chip, frankly, would make a podcast. He's sort of a perpetual guest on these things. So listening to you talk about listening to you talk about things that you like about podcasts, particularly the Japanese language ones, was a big part of like my thinking about how to put it together to try and have like more of a conversational tone and things like that and pitch to the group. So yeah, thank you. For that. I'm glad I could inspire you with my obsessive podcast listening. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I like it. I was... I'm going to say I was hesitant to listen to your podcast because it's like, these are my friends doing a thing oh, yeah. and yeah. I don't want to mm. hate it, but I should listen to it because these are my friends doing a thing. And then I listened to it and I was like, oh, this is good. And I was <laughs> oh, thank God. Like, um, I was pleasantly I, yeah. surprised. I have the thing in comics for like maybe about 10 years. I just would not read any comics that my friends had made because I just don't want to lose respect for them. Oh, like, what do you say if you don't like it? You know, like, oh, no. oh I heard you. Oh, it was, the cover was pretty. Yeah, actually. Yeah, like I, I, I can't believe you got such and such for a variant. That's amazing. Nothing. There's literally nothing in that <laughs> statement about the comic or the quality of the variant even. I, I dated a woman for two weeks until she read me her poetry. Oh, house. no. And that was it. We were done. I was like, well, there's no coming back from that. Mmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The one that got away. The one that got away. If only there hadn't been that poetry. So our podcast is kind of about doing that, but to you about your work. Cool. <laughs> Actually. Um. <laughs> is, it, is it weird to read reviews, to hear reviews of your work, actually? Like, is it something that you've gotten used to? Um, I don't tend to read reviews of my work because it's mostly... It's kind of disheartening, like I translate a lot of like light novels and things like that, and so those people are really fussy about like, there wasn't an honorific, or it didn't match the Japanese word for exact word, and it's like, I don't need to hear that. <laughs> so I don't, I don't, I'm not familiar with being, like, reading my reviews or, or seeing anything like that. And so it was really cool to hear you talk about these books that I'm so familiar with at this yeah. point, like, any book that I've translated, I've read it at least, like, five times, probably more, hmm. and I can't be objective in any way about them anymore it's just like and I don't even like a lot of times I'm just like done with them it's like yeah. I hope you burn in a fire somewhere <laughs> like, uh, Jocelyn's into book burning I was wondering if there was like a bit of a remove from it because most reviews maybe wouldn't necessarily get into the actual translation they'd just be talking about the story and maybe you like the story maybe you don't like the story like do you if you do look at reviews, are you looking at the ones for the books that you quite like yeah. or the ones that you don't like? <laughs> I look at the reviews of books that I like because I want other people to like them. Yeah. And I look at reviews of books that are very weeb-oriented mm. because I want to know what the fan community thinks. Yeah. Because those translations are very much about what they think. Like, that's... Yeah. It doesn't matter if the, the translation... I mean, obviously it matters if the translation is good or bad, but that's the audience, and if they want more Japanese-ness to it, yeah. and if it's natural to include that stuff, then I will, you know? And so I'm, I do check sometimes, like, certain, like, light novel reviews or something okay. to see 
and I can reflect that into my translation and make it more for the, geared for that audience. Mm. Yeah. But mostly, like if I'm reading reviews, it's for books that I like because I want other people to like them, and I want to be like, "Did you love my baby? Did you love her so much? I love her." <laughs> Do you ever look at? Mostly just for for joy at the scanlations of books that you've translated, just to see how much better you are at it. <laughs> I shouldn't answer. That. You can be honest. You can be honest here. Like, like, listening to this. Like, like a scanlation fell off the back of a truck. Like just, you had nothing oh, to do. Oh, it's with in my hand. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I have looked up um, scanlations of stuff that I am going to work on. Okay. But I I don't. I almost sure. never yeah. look at scanlations once yeah. I'm working on something because it muddies the words in my yeah. head. Like if I'm working on something and I see someone else's take on it, it's like, a, ah, like now I don't know what my take is anymore. Hmm. Beforehand, I just want to get a sense of like what, like naming conventions, like the fan community has already decided. Like I translate a couple really huh. popular series that have been heavily scanlated. <laughs> yeah. And so a lot of names and things are already set in the fans' minds. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. And so I'm just like, it doesn't, it's no skin off my nose to spell a name a certain way, you know, and if that's what the fans are used to, and like on forums or like like wiki sites and stuff, like a lot of series I work on have huge wiki communities, so they have all this stuff already laid out. So then I'm gonna, I try to follow those conventions, if they make sense, like if they're wrong, Mm -hmm. then I'm not gonna do that, but why, there's no point in antagonizing people who already love this work, they they want to love it, you know? Speaking (laughs) as a guy who works on superhero comics, it's actually pretty fun (laughs) to antagonize people (laughs) because they want a certain thing. I know that that's a huge problem with some of the jump stuff that took a little while, like Zoro's name and things like that, Mm. that got changed in between when it was originally, let's say, fan translated mm-hmm. and when the official translations came down and the anime translations came down and things like that. And there's still a huge controversy about that kind of stuff. It's something we haven't really delved into too much because all the jump stuff that we're reading tends to be really cutting edge. So it's like getting translated into English the same week that it's out in Japan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's not as much room for that kind of stuff to happen anymore because stuff like that kind of level of stuff, shonen stuff, it gets translated immediately. Yeah. So there's not enough time for the, the that fan community to take root and develop their own conventions. Mm. That makes sense. Um, I feel like this is going to be a very boring part for you, but I, I think I think listeners. Please bore me. I think too, listeners please. would be interested in finding out, um, like, how you got into it. Like, did your love of Japanese language bring you to manga, or did manga bring you to Japanese language? I know the answer to this one. Oh my god, you tell <laughs> yeah, us. Yeah, but you're not supposed to answer. <laughs> yeah, but I know because it's so funny because Jocelyn doesn't come off like the world's biggest Sailor Moon weeb, and yet here we are. I'm not the world's wow. biggest. <laughs> I think whoever runs the Sailor Moon Twitter accounts, they're probably like... Yeah, yeah. I'm, sorry, maybe once upon a time that could have been you, though. Oh, if there had been the internet, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would have been like, Sailor Jupiter fan account. <laughs> Stupid Tumblr with all my shitty drawings of Sailor Jupiter. <laughs> Pardon my interjection. Please, tell us the answer to Chip's question. <laughs> uh, I moved to Japan. Like, I've always loved comics. Yeah. Like, I've been reading comics ever since I was a kid, and then when I moved to Japan, it was kind of like, well, there are comics in Japan, too. And I didn't... How old were you when you did that? Oh, like 22? Okay. 23? So without a knowledge of the language. No, no. I graduated university with a degree in mathematics, which is super useful. (laughs) So I moved to Japan and got a job, and I didn't speak Japanese. 
but I lived in a really, really small town in Ekta where there's like, like people knew when I was at the grocery store level of small town, like someone would come to my house looking for me and my neighbor would be like, oh, Jocelyn's, she's just at the supermarket. If you go, you can catch her. People would leave boxes of vegetables on my doorstep and stuff. Like it was a very small town. And so I had to learn Japanese because I couldn't talk to anyone. Like I was, there was literally nothing I could say to people. I was just walking around with my dictionary flipping pages going, this? This? And then someone would take my dictionary from me and flip pages and go, kore, kore, kore. Oh, what happened? I don't understand. We take Google Translate for granted. Oh, the kids these days, they have no idea how easy they have it. Yeah, so I just kind of ended up being forced to learn Japanese, and then I was like, well, I'm not getting a job in mathematics, so what am I going to do? And I'm a writer also since I was a child, so it's like, oh, maybe I can do something with this Japanese stuff. And I actually wrote for, I think you know this, I wrote for a Japanese uh, porn magazine. <laughs> I was going to say, most people, that's how it happens. <laughs> But I was there, I didn't know at the time it was a porn magazine. Mm. So I was writing this column in English for a Japanese porn magazine. What was the column about? Like just being a foreigner in Japan. So I would just write like about, wow, toilets sure are weird. <laughs> <laughs> You were the first person to write that article, I hear. I, I think I was. You can read it in the softcore porn magazine. I was going to say, then you, you submit the column about toilets being weird, and then when they translate it, yeah. they translate it into uh, penises are so weird. No, because I, I, the reason I found out, this is very digressional, no, no. but the reason I found out that I was writing for a softcore porn magazine, because I did not know this, I was just like, this editor approached me because like, I was doing freelance writing, and they're like, oh, do you want to write a column for our magazine? I was like, sure, what do you want me to write about? And they're like, oh, just anything about your experiences in Japan. And they're paying, uh, I think it was 10,000 yen for 500 words. That's great. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, 500 words? I can knock that out in my sleep. <laughs> Jesus. So I did it. So much you can say about toilets. <laughs> Every call. I like counting. Like, yeah, it was just really, really dumb shit. <laughs> and then one day I was like, what is this magazine anyways? Like, I've been writing for this magazine for like a year and I've yeah. never seen it. Like, I didn't get copies of it or anything. I just sent my call into the editor and they translated it into Japanese. And then that was it. I got paid. I was done. And I, so I went, I was like, I'm going to go. And I was talking to my editor. I was like, can you just tell me the name of the magazine one more time? She was like, okay. And she told me and I wrote it down very carefully. And then I go to a bookstore in my very rural northern <laughs> Japanese community where I'm literally the only non-Japanese person for like many kilometers. I go in and I'm like, uh, I'm looking for this book. And I showed her the name of the clerk. And she just like, her face just kind of pale. <laughs> She's like, her, her whole demeanor just changed. She's like, oh this way and, <laughs> and she leads me down the aisles of magazines and it's like we're going further like sports cameras manga and then we get to this dark dark corner and there's all these like ladies <laughs> with with ample chests displayed proudly and she's like takes one of these magazines with a, a woman doing like kind of pushing her breasts together and leaning into the camera and I was like oh my god and you're like oh my god I'm in Tokyo toilets of tits <laughs> like that Amazing. toilet column did really well can you write me like three more toilet columns please it would have been so funny if it turned out the magazine was about mathematics <laughs> that would have actually been <laughs> full, full circle, circle. Yeah. <laughs> How do you... Oh, so, 
that leads us to <laughs> translating manga. Yeah. <laughs> Roundabout. Wow. One of the things when you were saying about wanting reading a book that you like and mm-hmm. wanting to share it with people and want them to like it too. Mm-hmm. Has it ever happened that you've gotten offered a project that you like too much that you don't know that you could necessarily be objective about or you want people to like it too much you wouldn't necessarily be the best person to do it or is that is that something you have to deal with? It's something I I yeah, I think about. Mm. I've never had anyone offer me a project that I've said no to because it's like, oh, I love this thing too much. But I do have comics that I love, like manga that I love too much that I would actually say no to. Could you hint at one of those comics for us? <laughs> well, like one of them that's, I mean, it's being translated now. Shoujo, or Kageki Shoujo. The, uh. It's this um, shoujo manga about a girls' the- theater high school based on like Takarazuka, the women's theatrical troupe. Dad's recommended it twice. Yeah. Okay. Just in like the after. Yeah. It's so good. And I came kind of late to it. Like, I, I think I came to it like on the third volume and I just was like, where has this been all my life? Like, it's so good and it's just so well done and the story's amazing and there's so much going on and I would love to translate it but I would never accept that job and I'm so glad the translator who's working on it uh, is Katerina, I always forget her last name, but anyway, she's amazing. And it's, she does such a good job with it and I'm so glad she's doing it and not me. Because <laughs> I would just anguish over every choice. Like, I'd be like, why? Oh, is this right? I don't know. Is this really what she sounds like? Like, yeah, for stuff that I really love, I I don't want to take those jobs. <laughs> so in the translating community, is it the community? Like, do you, like, how many kind of active translators are there kind of working? I don't, you know. I don't know how many of us there are. Like, in terms of, like, manga specifically? Yeah. yeah. Enough, I guess, because the books are getting translated. Right? You, don't have, like, you don't have a secret message board or a Slack where you compare it's Twitter. notes? We're on Twitter. Twitter. Okay. Yeah. And there's a Discord, too. Yeah. There's a couple. But, yeah, I think the manga translation community, I think most... Because like, I also do literary translation as well, and, like, all of the translation communities that I'm involved with are, it is very much a community, like, it's not like, I'm gonna beat you for that job, it's like, oh, what, what would you do in this situation, like, yeah. helping each other out, or like, this this publisher is very bad, don't work for them, or this company pays really low rates, or, like, yeah, it is a community online, we're talking to each other, but I don't know how many of us there are, mm. <laughs> like, maybe we're an army. Well, you don't want to go on record and say which ones are lousy. <laughs> oh, no, let's, let's dish. <laughs> Just checking, just checking. So you're in Japan, you're starting to learn the language. At some point, does schooling become a thing for it? No? I never, yeah, I've never studied Japanese for Oh, wow. I did uh, for a while there when I was living in Tokyo. Like, I, because I, I moved from the north to Tokyo, like, some stuff happened in between, but that's not important. Oh, I that makes it seem important, though. Let's go into that. <laughs> no, no, just skeletons. No, no, nothing yeah, about yeah, yeah, yeah. that. But I started working for Honda, and like, as an in-house translator and editor. Okay. And so at that time, I was like, I've never had any formal schooling in Japanese. Maybe I should try that. And so I got a tutor, and she was like, what do, you, what do you want from me? <laughs> she's like, I know she's like, this is like a Japanese language school, so it's like private 
like listen kind of style. She's yeah. like, I can't teach you things. Like you already can speak and you do stuff. <laughs> and and it was a she did manage. Like she kind of would give me like newspaper articles and discuss things and stuff like that. But yeah. for the most part, yeah. By the time I was in a situation where I could study formally, I was sort of past formal study. Yeah. yeah so then I was just working for Honda and built up like. Working in house is a great way to build experience as a translator with like it's kind of like a mentorship. So okay. I was working in house with like about four other translators. Okay. And they like I would do the work and then my boss would like go over and she'd be like, This should be like this, this should be this, this should be this, fix it and or should you know give me pointers on like uh, a lot of common issues and stuff like that and we had like a whole wall of dictionaries that i could access at any time again the internet was not very developed yeah, yeah. yeah. so this resources were like amazing and i could just talk to like engineers whenever i want to be like what did you mean you dumb dumb like, this <laughs> <laughs> so it's fun. yeah it was good and that's kind of like honed my chops do you get to do that for mangaka do you get to like be translating something and then email the mangaka and go no but what did you mean oh <sighs> What did you mean with this? This doesn't mean anything. You know what I wish? Yeah. I wish I could do that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I know. I have like two manga artists I can do that with. Oh, that's nice. Sure. Out of like the how many hundreds of my chance? And why wouldn't you be able to? Because like, it's different. It's weird because like I said, I work in literary publishing or translation as well. And like with literary translation, I can call the author up. I can get her on a Zoom call. We can like, I can do whatever. Like I, I have total access. Um, because the publishing worlds are weirdly, they're parallel, but totally different. Like manga is very much like... For me to talk to the manga artist, I have to talk to my editor at the English publisher. They have to talk to the licensing agent at the English publisher. The licensor has to talk to the Japanese licensor. That licensor has to talk to the Japanese editor. And the editor has to talk to that artist. Yeah. There's no other way to do it. Yeah. No one wants to do that. <laughs> no one wants to do that much work, for, especially for a short yeah. question, you know what yeah. I mean? No yeah. one wants to do that for this, like, why did you do this? What's the gender of this praying mantis? Like, no, that was, it's an actual question I, I struggled with, so laugh less. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. It was funny to be struggling with the gender of a praying mantis, but uh, yeah, like, no one wants to do all that for that, so it just doesn't happen. Yeah. Like, if, like, I know manga artists personally, and when I translate their work, I can just email them because yeah. I, I know them personally, but if I, even if I were to DM an artist on Twitter, it would be bad. Bad etiquette. Bad yeah. etiquette. Like if they if they mentioned it to their editor, their editor would mention licensor, 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 editor, me, mm -hmm. and they'd be like, "You can't interfere with the no contacts." Yeah. It just makes contracts and things and licensing it muddies all these kinds of waters. So it's really bad. I had my knuckles wrapped only once. I haven't done it again. <laughs> but I contacted an author going. Hey, that I knew. I was like, "Hey, your your pub your editor or your publisher sent over this like three word bio that's super anemic. Can I like? Here's what I wrote. Can I? Is this cool? If, like, if it mentions your other work, and they're like, I'm not supposed to talk to you about this. Please, please email the. And then I got my knuckles wrapped. Like the the licensor came back through Viz and was just like. Did you have a question? <laughs> and I was like, no, no, we're good, we're good, we're good. So it was, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, I uh, get a lot of stuff like I, I translate all of Jinji Ito's work. And so 
I've sort of become a face of him yeah. in North America, and I get a lot of people emailing me like, we would like him to be at our festival. Can you contact him? I'm like, I sure can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got that, and I was like, no, I have him for my festival. I'm not bringing him to yours. <laughs> but the, the reality of the situation is I literally can't bring him to yours. No one can. Junjito goes where he wishes. <laughs> you make him sound like a sprite floating on the wind. Kind like, of is. Like a dark sprite. <laughs> dark like sprite. an evil yeah. an evil sprite. But yeah. He's so funny. And charming. No, oh, he's a great guy. Yeah. yeah. So Ito, great guy. That's the takeaway. <laughs> so be- because you don't have a lot of contact with the mangaka, do you ever get feedback after the fact? Nope. I was going to say, because yeah, they, nope. they wouldn't they would know what you wrote, or else um, they would have done it. Yeah, like, the only times that I've gotten feedback on manga that I've translated, again, have been when I know the artists. Like, mm. So the artists will email me and be like, I don't think this is quite this. And I'll be like, you're right, and I'll fix it. But I've worked with, oh, I've worked with people who can read enough English to understand mm-hmm. what I did, but can't necessarily produce that English themselves would you but I mean you must have worked with people like that too and are you is it something that you've tried to solicit like you've gone and said hey it would really mean a lot if you checked out just like we did when we started this and said please tell us you like manga planning (laughs) please tell us if you like please tell me if you like my manga translation (laughs) I mean again it's like with artists that I know like that Akino Kondo piece that you heard for me like I know her and so I sent my translation to her, and she speaks English too, like, she lives in New York, and so she speaks pretty decent English, like, definitely well enough to read and be like, this is what I wanted to say. And that time she did come back to me with some feedback, and be like, actually, I wanted more like this, and I was like, got it. And she couldn't, again, she couldn't write it exactly how she wanted it, but she could convey to me what the more deeper idea that she was going for, and I could fix the English. But again, that's like... The, the exception, not yeah, the rule. Yeah, like yeah. I don't get feedback like that. I have some good editors who mm. will give me great feedback. Like a Viz, Joel Enos. Joel's the best. He's amazing. He's so good. Shout out Joel. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm assuming there's also the thing where most authors don't really know what is going to work in the other language. Mm-hmm, My yeah. only frame of reference for this is Jim Davis of Garfield fame, <laughs> who I interviewed about this topic. And he was like, a Garfield strip in Japan doesn't work the same as it does in I know North America because I was working on Garfield in Japan. Really, there you go. There you go. But he 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 made it seem like early in his career he was hands on about it. But as time went on, he's like, well, no, like. First of all, he realized Garfield doesn't really work in Japan because he's a lazy cat who disrespects his masters. Not okay. Not okay. He was furious about it because Snoopy did much better. Snoopy's very popular. Yeah, yeah. So huge. But also, he just he recognized like, no, like if, if they can figure out a new joke for it, then go for it. Mm-hmm. Because it, it, I guess also it's just Garfield. Hmm. <laughs> Don't disrespect Garfield like that. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm in a position where I can disrespect Garfield. Whoa. Oh, wow. Someone thinks because I love it so much. <laughs> It's like when you're married to someone. Oh yeah, I love something so much I can be as shitty as I want about it on the internet. Welcome to 2021. Well, my my wife shows up and she disrespects me. It's because she loves me. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I feel about Garfield. I have a question about the title of BL Metamorphosis. Oh. We yeah. didn't get it. I know. And I, I heard that. I, I almost wrote a comment, like, or I almost mentioned something on Twitter, but someone was all like, oh, she thinks she knows everything. So I should have 
Let's whoever, chip, by the way. Whoever runs out. Let's chip. Let's chip. When I was about to read it, I was like, oh, what are we reading next? I'm like, don't be on metamorphosis. I'm like, oh, great, another sci-fi book. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it was, like, I don't, first of all, I don't choose the titles of pretty much anything I translate. That's interesting. So that gets chosen and decided. That's been my experience before yeah. the translator gets yeah. anywhere near it. It's usually, I mean, in a few cases, I have had input, and Metamorphosis was actually one of those where the publisher was really having a hard time. Yeah, because Ngawa doesn't translate. No, it doesn't translate at all. <laughs> yeah. And so they emailed me and were like, oh, we're thinking of these things for the, well, can you explain to us a bit more about the title? And I was like, okay, well, you know, like, Ngawa is a very specific thing in Japanese culture and it has a lot of, of baggage mm. you know it's sort of like sakura like the cherry blossoms like there's so much baggage on sakura that English speakers don't know okay. and it's really hard to convey all of that with the translation cherry blossoms like who cares about cherry blossoms a tree wow mm. but like Engawa is very much like it's it's associated with a certain kind of house and a certain kind of lifestyle especially yeah, okay. like a Showa kind of feel like a, the previous the heydays of like post-war Japan into the bubble era. Yeah. yeah. So it's really, there's a lot of nostalgia for that period and houses uh, with Engawa are older and so there's, and it's kind of like an evocation of like a grandparent or like a, a simpler time. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's also a place where you gather and you sit in the summer and you sit with your family and you eat watermelon and watch fireworks and there's all this stuff that happens on the Engawa. Mm. And to translate that, it doesn't it means nothing. And so, yeah, the publisher was like, "Can you just be give us some more <laughs> ideas about this?" And I was like, "Okay." But in the end, that's the title that they decided on, and I don't think it's such a bad choice considering how difficult the original title is because, I mean, the Angola is a place of change in a way. Like it's a place of familiarity and comfort, but it's also a place where you move through time together. Oh. So I don't know. It's it's hard. Like when when you have a title like that, and I don't. I think if you're not familiar with BL, you're sort of like shit out of luck on that one. Yeah. Oh, can no, I curse no. on this? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's kind of fifty-fifty. Sometimes David censors the, the swears, me. and sometimes he doesn't. It's it's looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always surprised when I listen to the episodes to do the show like, notes. Did I yeah, swear I mean, when, to you? When I started <laughs> reading it, I didn't know what BL stood for. Yeah. But now mm. I'm a BL master. <laughs> yeah. I drop BL into every conversation I have. Have you actually read a BL? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, what BL would you recommend for Chip's first BL? Yeah, yeah. yeah like getting a suggestion from outside the crew. I like it. That's oh. the first time. We'd still put your face on the thing, though. Because you picked I'll, it. I'll draw Jocelyn. Yeah, done. <laughs> She just got her hair cut. Yeah. See, I'm Looking feeling good. fabulous. Yeah. Oh, I'm... Okay. And you prefer to read digitally, yeah? Yeah. So... Okay, well, obviously, Dick Fight Island is right up there. <laughs> now, is it good? Does it matter? Well... Well, there you, that's actually a good question. <laughs> that Dick's... Like I mean, is fighting it, on an island. Is this like me asking if the porn has a good storyline? Not really. No, no I don't think mean, so. Like, no, I still like, wanted to be good. It is. It's good. It's probably too much for you because you have not. I know you wrote sex criminal criminals. Oh wow! I got the name of your book wrong. <laughs> we'll bleep that out. We can edit that. <laughs> David, please edit that. Sex criminal criminals. 
I think like if you haven't read any BL and you don't know a lot of the tropes and things that come up in BL, like Dick Fight Island might just be like, why are these men fighting with their dicks? Which legit fair. Yeah. But if you want something like, I think this is still published digitally. What's it called in English? Kumura Haruko. She did the Rakugo stories. Yeah, yeah. She does this series which is like perfect. And it's, I think it's called My Lovely Like a Cat or something like that in English. Okay. It's on, I'm not giving you good information here. Look it up, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, look it up. But it's just like a perfect BLM that it's really like sweet. One of the characters is gay. The other character is like, I've never thought about my sexuality, but I love you. Yeah. Which isn't quite gay for you. I want to make that distinction, which is a, <laughs> it's a very common trip in, in BL. It's like, I'm gay for you. Like, normally I'm straight, but you, the love of my life, I can yeah. be gay for you. Yeah, like me every Friday night. Yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Like clockwork. <laughs> yep. <laughs> my lovely like a cat, I think it's called. My that. lovely like a cat. Yeah. Yeah, it, we gotta do a whole thing on just BL titles, because that's, well, that's not even words. It's the title that she gave it. <laughs> And, oh. the, and the title in Japanese makes more sense. It's Itoshi no Nekoke, which is Nekoke is the hair on the back of your neck. So cute. Yeah, and it's like Itoshi is like uh, sweet or like cute or love. Like you're like, oh, I love that. Like that feeling yeah, yeah. you have, like, oh, that's Itoshi. Mm. And so Itoshi no Nekoke is like the sweet hair on the back of your neck. Like this that's little really nice. detail that I yeah. noticed about oh. you that I love. And the whole series is just like these two guys, they're super in love, just really love each other. And then they get really dirty. <laughs> I love love and I love dirty. Chip's so. only good for about 200 consecutive pages before he gets a little cranky. You can just read not, the first that's volume. That's friggin' true. Have you got a standalone one that you also like? I would, re as a standalone, I would recommend, and not even a standalone, but bite-sized standalone. Oh. Ooh, now we're talking. SM's Tableau number 20. Oh, okay. Out from Sublime. I don't know if it's digital or not. It is 100% digital. Okay, it is digital. Yeah. But it's a collection of short stories by Asim, who's like an amazing artist. She Asim's came, the best. She's so good. She, she came up through BL, and now she does like more mainstream stuff. But her this particular volume, I translated it. I'm plugging my own work. But this particular volume is like, it, it really features a range of different kinds of BL. So there's like one story where like these two older men, like senior level men, yeah. are in a relationship together, and like one of them has all. Alzheimer's and so he doesn't and so he goes to the park every day to wait for his lover to come back from the war not remembering that it already happened it's like oh. it's heartbreaking you already just broke my heart right now it's so beautiful like it's, I won't read it. it's such a beautiful story but other stories are like more upbeat than that obviously that's an excellent book I, I'm trying to think of a standalone I can't read anything involving Alzheimer's or memory loss yeah Okay, that's uh, me. That's, that's me fair. in 20 years. I used to, I used to, if I'm lucky. I used to have a column in a newspaper called The Tear Jerk where I reviewed sad movies because I avoided them for so long because I'm, I'm an easy touch. Yeah. So, you know, I give them a tear rating. The Notebook, <laughs> Gosling McAdams. I watched that on an airplane. I pulled up my laptop. I better, you know, yeah. watch this, you know, while I have the time. And uh, I cried so much I thought they were going to have to land the plane. <laughs> <laughs> because it, the storyline revolves around like yeah, uh, a lover trying to tell the story of the, oh, you their love. Oh, you should read this book then. No, I can't. I'd die. I would die. 
Well, it's too bad because the SM is the one I described to you a little while ago as the Neil Adams of BL manga. Like, just drawing these, like, powerful, yeah. like, live, beautiful dudes that, like, move really well. Speaking of which, uh, our sister collapsed me on a train, on a plane. I was watching our sister by Quareda oh. on a plane, and I was like, Blubbering. Don't I was watch so on the plane. Sad. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, this the plane that air way. makes this you cry. Yeah, anyways. yeah. There's something about planes yeah. that doesn't. It's yeah. a whole thing. Yeah. But they tried so hard to be a family. I know. <laughs> Don't even talk to me about Cordae at all. I'm gonna start crying right now. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I need to read some boys' love. I mean, what's it be like? Oh, you know, uh, Nakamura Asumiko, mm -hmm. her classmate Classmates, series eh? is like classic. Okay, yeah. It's a classic of the genre. It's been continually in print for like 15. 20 years now, 15 years, 20 And it, it changed publishers too, right? Like it, yeah, yeah, yeah. When she stopped it, like she did a couple, like the first book and it was so popular that she came back and continued the series. Nice. And then she stopped it and it was like, no, I'm not done with it. She came back to it again. And now she's come back to it again. What? So when they're like grown-ups and like okay. being like, I don't know, I haven't read it yet. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the next volume to come before I start reading it. Cause <laughs> Binge it? Yeah, kind of. Do you find it hard to read manga in English? Oh, good question. You, you, you're always looking at like how it's put together? Yes. So do you just read it in Japanese then, for I the most part? I almost exclusively read manga in Japanese. Or, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not just that I, I know how it works or whatever. It, I can see the Japanese behind the English sometimes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And that's really, I mean, annoying. <laughs> <laughs> How much of your work is between light novels and manga? Um, and which do you prefer, actually? Yeah, that's interesting. Oh, yeah, that's... I think... I'm mostly manga. Like, I'd say it's probably... I mean, in terms of books, it's probably 80-20. Like, manga light novels. But in terms of, like, time, uh, it's 50-50. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> novels take way more time to do, just because there's so many more words. <laughs> yeah, like, the, the Naruto light novels are... It's a huge franchise, so like when I'm working on like big franchise stuff, it's definitely like it, it's paying the bills. Like the reason I was able to do the Queer Japan film is because I was working on Naruto Delight novels. Really? So you get to yeah. So you're doing like oh these like fun indie not money making endeavors are paid for by you know like thank you giant corporate whatever. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not knocking the Naruto novels or any of the light novels that translate either. Like they're engaging and entertaining. Like, yeah. They totally are like what you want to read if you're like a Naruto fan. They're great. Like I'm translating one right now. It's like wow. I my nephew's read every it. single one. He loves them to bits. Um, I haven't told him that I know the person who <laughs> does the English versions yet, because like he's gonna get your autograph and then I'll be there. That I'm not gonna autograph. <laughs> so, uh, so does the translating make you want to? Right? Oh, that's a good question. Like, if somebody offered you, like, 
a light novel series of Sailor Moon or something like that, would you be oh, like, wow. sure, why not? Like generate original content in the universe. I don't. I mean, because you could. You, I mean, it's brilliant because you could translate your own work. Yeah. <laughs> making all the money on both sides of the fence. And you're only leaving five percent to me for the idea. So like, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Money hand over fist here. I'm, I think like if I was younger and I had come up in a more fan fiction age, yeah, I would probably be like jump at a chance like that. But I'm not. I've never done fan fiction. I, I feel like I came of age just past all that, and by the yeah. time that kind of came on the scene, I, or that I, I encountered it because before the internet, it was kind of hard to run into like slash fiction and stuff like that. Mm. By the time I came onto it, I was like, I'm like 35. I don't have time for this. <laughs> it's funny because Leanne Centaur, who works at yeah. who works at uh, Seven Seas, looks back on that gig uh, that they had doing the adaptations of the Sailor Moon episodes into like middle grade novels mm. that came out at like the dawn of before there was even middle grade novels of like yeah. comic stuff <laughs> as one of their favorite jobs actually they really loved that sort of thing it was so fun for them uh, doing it for Tokyo Pop so I think that's really interesting that there's like there's still so much room there like there's mm. almost nothing being created originally here in North America and yeah it's weird like that like publishers aren't jumping at all these fanfic writers who are already living in that universe to create something original like to add to this like, I thought it's the weirdest thing like that that DC finally did that with the Batman family where they did that webtoon where now like all the Robins and Batman are like a dysfunctional family living in Wayne Manor like apparently it's quite good I'm pretty sure I read that as a fanfic 10 years ago but I'm glad they finally came around like I would hope for, for more original content like that because yeah. Lord knows there is not enough My Hero Academia on the stands right now we need more the more. people want more well there isn't because of the supply chain well that's the supply chain yeah. Really yeah. Oh, last question. It's weird because when I when I talked to Co, it was very much focused, laser focused on the work because the work was so weird. The work is so outside of anything that gets published usually with Pompanya's work. Yeah, and it was just like I want to know about like how this came to be. Is there a manga or a manga manga that you've worked on or a manga that you've worked with where you're like I can't believe there isn't more of this. Like we don't know more. More, we don't talk about this more. This isn't more part of the discussion because it's so important. It's so different and so unique. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good question. Yeah. Right, it is. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, I hate when he gets like this. <laughs> Whatever. We're just at a bar. I asked her what her manga. favorite manga was, so I think I know good questions. <laughs> you do, baby. You do. <laughs> like the, the arty stuff like the the side like the side of stuff like there's a, an image in North America of like manga as a set thing you know like it's like Sailor Moon it's Naruto it's the big eyes it's the certain eyes like art style and there's so much stuff that is not that yeah yeah and I just want that to be more recognized because it's not getting published because the people who publish manga, like Viz or Seven Seas or, or whatever, they're focused on that manga. Yeah. yeah. And they can't publish this artier stuff because it won't sell. Or Sorry, it'll sell okay. It just won't sell as well as publishing literally anything yeah. that has My Hero Academia on the cover. And that's or the it. Attack on Titan. Or Attack on Titan yeah. or whatever the big hits are whenever this airs. <laughs> I mean, it's very funny considering... We've been doing 
this manga podcast for what 35 episodes something like that wow and I have not looked at I have no idea what My Hero Academia is <laughs> it's like if Generation or, X by Chris Pachalo and Scott Lobdell was a manga okay alright yeah I yeah it. I'm in yeah it, right like it's it's totally good and well done yeah. but like also it's not Bakugo's a murderer by the way straight up oh spoilers spoilers all I know about Attack on Titan is it features a giant anatomy chart from second year illustration yeah yeah but, but at a Christian school so there's no genitals <laughs> thank you so much for joining us this was really fun <laughs> Way to put a bow on it. That's yeah, perfect. we're just gonna. You know what? You can't go anywhere from like genitalless anatomy chart, man. <laughs> Which is actually from an upcoming episode of Dantadon. If you keep reading, that one of the one of the antagonists is a an, a walking anatomy model that is like they think maybe has stolen Okoron's balls. <laughs> so it does not surprise me. No, it's great. It's great. It's a great manga. <laughs> What are you working on right now that people should be keep an eye out for if if there if there's any printed manga anymore? I am. This is for the, all the Joss heads out there. Joss heads yeah, out the there. Joss heads. All what, right. what can they look forward Talk to? to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working on. I'm still working on. Even though we're adults, which I think is amazing and deserves yeah, yeah. a yeah. lot of readers. So good. Yeah, it's really good. I'm working on another. Oh, I've, uh, oh, I forget his name. He did Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer. And you loved that. Circle. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think I would love it. Like, I was like, oh, great, another shonen, blah, blah, blah. Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer? Yes. yes. <laughs> so, and that's right. the one where the praying mantis, the gender okay. was an issue. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I bring it back. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer was a book that I, I translated years ago. And I just took it as like, oh, fine, whatever. I'm going to translate this manga. And I didn't really expect a lot from it. And it turned out to be really, really thoughtful in surprising ways. Nice. <laughs> Especially because it's a big, about a big hammer destroying the earth. Like, you would not think that, but yet. <laughs> and then, so then because I did that series, I, I was asked to do his next series, which is Spirit Circle. And it was like, oh, wow. And that's about like, kind of reincarnation and the mistakes we make and like how we come to face ourselves and like it's really like surprisingly deep for a seinen shonen Mm -hmm. book and so now I'm just starting on his new series, which I don't know the English title of. I'm sure if you look on the Seven Seas website, it would be there. And it's, it's, yeah, his work keeps should, getting like deeper and like more mature. You should decide the English title right now. <laughs> Here we go. Show him how it's done. The Praying Mantis was a girl. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Spoilers. Spoilers. It's a pretty good title. <laughs> Praying Mantis was a girl. <laughs> that is pretty good. Yeah, this has been manga splitting. Listen to me. Yeah, the fantastic. longest one. Yeah, I <laughs> feel. For, uh, thanks for joining us at this bar, Jocelyn, and drinks around you. Great. Yeah, wait, done. She's got light Yay! novel money. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. (laughs) I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another special segment of Manga Explaining. Listen to me. This is when we get some experts to help us go a little deeper into a topic or manga we've covered on the show. In Manga Explaining episode 40, we discuss Vinland Saga by Makoto Yukimura, published by Kodansha. We all loved it and had such a rich and interesting conversation. So David and I thought, why not bring the editor for the North American edition of Vinland Saga to give us a different perspective on this award-winning Viking manga series? We have here today, Ben Applegate. Ben, would you like to introduce yourself? Certainly. Thanks, Deb. My name is Ben. I have worked in manga localization for just over a decade, but I spent most of that time working on the Kodansha print program. It used to be called Kodansha Comics, and now it's just, just Kodansha. And I did edit about the first half of the English localization of, of Vinland Saga. I've since passed it on to the very capable hands of Haruko Hashimoto, my colleague, but I'm still an avid reader and lover of the series. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I guess the first most obvious question is, were you a fan of this series before you licensed it? Or before it was licensed, rather? So when I came on board at the Kodansha Comics team, it was actually already in the works that it would be licensed because my my predecessor in the job I currently have, Dallas Minow, was a big fan of it. So those wheels had already started turning. But as soon as I started reading it, I absolutely fell for it and pushed for it to get the the localization that I thought it deserved and and specifically end up as a hardcover manga. Hmm. And when you say the localization you thought it deserved, is that strictly a translation thing or an overall presentation? So I think the presentation matters a lot. I mean, the the hardcover format, it was the first hardcover, believe it or not, that Kodansha Comics had ever published. Pretty wow. good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it feels like ages ago because it was. It was, I think, yeah. 2013. But not only that, but the the bonus content and we wanted to dig deeper into the, the story and the art. And fortunately, the author, Makoto Yukimura, has been endlessly patient with us and helping us add bonus content to the back of the book. I know you mentioned For Our Farewell is Near, the samurai story about the Shinsengumi, well, not about the Shinsengumi, but connected to the Shinsengumi uh, that we serialized in the back of the first five volumes. He was also kind enough to do Q&As for almost every book that we put out. Wow. Original so Q&As. This is all yeah. unique to the... This is all unique to the English edition. edition. Yeah, exactly. That's really impressive. I assume that it was you know, translated from deluxe Japanese edition. Nope. That's awesome. Nope. Those are all original Q and A's for our edition. Yeah. And he let us do fun things like Faith Aaron Hicks did a bonus comic in the back of one of the volumes. That was really good. She's just a big, <laughs> such a big fan of the series. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, I think that kind of presentation helps. Like it really makes it a series that stands out on the stands. Cause for a while, I think the only hardcover manga that were coming out regularly were that Jojo's and maybe Sailor Moon came up a little bit halfway through Vinland Saga? Sailor Moon, we're doing the Eternal Editions, and those are those are still paperback, though. Those are paperback with French flaps. But, uh, oh, and I maybe I'm imagining a Sailor Moon hardcover that came out, or it was like a DNN special edition. 
that's possible. That oh, would have been before my time. Yeah. This card captor Sakura hardcovers, right? Those are that's yeah. probably what I'm thinking yeah. of. <laughs> very pink. <laughs> they are very, very, very pink. pink. Yeah. <laughs> I think we both have similar feelings about Vinland Saga, where it's very much it's a really good action comic, like first and foremost. Like beautifully drawn, beautifully written. But there's also a great deal of philosophy in the book that you can kind of glean for yourself or kind of like take under your own, you know, understanding, which is something that I appreciated. And we, we joke on the podcast that my favorite genre is people who are good at violence telling you not to do violent things. But I think there really <laughs> is something to that where you have the person who can say it's like scared straight, but for Vikings. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Well, the interesting thing, I mean, his afterwards are so great, which I think you alluded to briefly in the, the episode. But in one of them, he talks about how violence is the theme. He chose the theme of violence first and then settled on the Viking setting because it would allow him to tell the story that he wanted to tell. So yeah, that, that, the theme of that, that theme of violence is really foundational to the work. And it doesn't feel like an exploitation manga, despite being so completely violent. You know, there's a first-person execution, there's all kinds of horrible things happen to people, but it's not like gross. And I think that, that's what makes the difference between kind of like the grimy manga that I read because it makes me feel a little bit bad, but I laugh. <laughs> something like this where I read it and it, like, it makes me think a little bit about the violence. Right. But what do you personally like get out of Vinland saga? Like what makes the story go for you? So it's a beautiful balance between intimate character relationships of which there are many that are very well thought out and big picture grappling with how human societies should and even can be organized. Hmm. You've got Thorfinn on the one hand who wants to build the land without war and slavery in Vinland and has this mm -hmm. vision to get there by utilizing the first resort of nonviolence rather than the last resort of violence, right? And then on the other hand, his foil, King Canute, who wants to build an earthly paradise through blood and iron. And both of those motivations, I think, are so compelling because they come specifically out of the relation, the respective relationships they had with their fathers, right? It's about one yeah. son who his father, uh, who had a father who loved him and one son who had a father who didn't. Mm -hmm. And where they end up as characters flows naturally from that point. And I, I think that's true for all the characters in the series. They all have motives and, and big picture goals that flow from their backgrounds. So it's, it's super character driven, but also manages to grapple with big picture questions. Very human. It's like a human perspective on all these big ideas mm -hmm. where it's like, what does it mean to be free? What does it mean? What is brotherhood you know, fraternity? Right. Deb, do you have any favorite Vinland saga characters? Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I guess Thorkill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not what I expected you to say. That's amazing. <laughs> Just the kind of unapologetically crazy characters mm -hmm. are yeah. very appealing to me. <laughs> That's amazing. He's interesting in the context of yeah. the series too, because he's, I feel like you can trust what he says. Right. Like he's, he's not dishonorable. Like he's mm -hmm. definitely violent and kind of a horrible human being, but he's still a man of his word. And that that mm -hmm. goes far. It seems like in Vinland Saga, like being true, like having an ethos. Being consistent. I mean, all the characters yes. in the series are nothing if not consistent. Floki will constantly stab people in the back. Thorkel will constantly seek out battle, and that's it. And I mean, 
this is another thing that the author talks about is if you give someone a sword, they're going to look for an enemy. And yeah. Thorkel is a physically dominating presence on a battlefield, but not so hot when it comes to parlay or romance or anything. So he's <laughs> he's seeking out the context in which he feels you know at ease and where he can do his thing. Yeah, yeah. There's something very interesting, like in everything in its right place, about that. Where there's got to be a space for people like him too. Like there's. You know, pacifists need their safe space, but also like maybe berserkers need their own safe space, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> the most interesting thing about Thorka, which I occurred to me while I was rereading it for this discussion, yeah. is the respect he has for Thor's. So he sees mm. Thor's, Thorfinn's father, when Thor's is escaping with his wife and, you know, to, to get out of the, the Yams Vikings. Thorka is the only one who sees them go. And he sees something in Thor's eyes. Mm -hmm. uh, a spark that he's never seen before. And he knows that Thoris is one of the only men or the only men in the world who can beat him in a fight, mm. right? Yeah. Who can physically dominate him. And that makes Thorkel curious about him. And so he always wants to know, okay, what is Thoris talking about when he says, I, you know, I want to become a true warrior, even though we know as readers really probably Thorkel is not capable of fully grasping what Thoris is talking about. If they had had that conversation, <laughs> it probably would not have gone well. Yeah. But I think it's interesting to think about, right, that that if there is someone out there who could beat Thorkel in a fight, maybe they would, that would be the only gateway to a philosophical conversation with Thorkel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you must be this strong to ride. <laughs> uh, uh. Yeah. I love that because there's, this is like getting to the masculinity side of things, like mm -hmm. toxic masculinity as a phrase, the toxic is modifying the masculinity side. So it suggests that there's something wrong with this specific outgrowth of masculinity. I think in the Thor's and Thorkel relationship, you can see where Thorkel is like a little bit toxic, but he also can see like that masculine energy that Thor's has, where he's like a tough warrior, a good father, a good husband, and he sees what he lacks. And that's, I think that's what makes him curious. Mm -hmm. That's such like a fascinating, it gives Thorkel depth that he might not have had otherwise, like you were saying, even if he might not be able to, you know, swim in those waters necessarily. Just the fact that he can like approach the shore is like catnip for me. Like I love that in storytelling. Absolutely. And he serves his purpose in helping Thorfinn along along in his journey because he sees in Thorfinn a vicious warrior, but he does but he tells Thorfinn, I don't see the spark in you that I saw in your father. Yeah. And also yeah. like the height difference makes their relationship incredibly funny. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. I love how you put it when you describe the series as a course in advanced masculinity. I think that's perfect. It totally summation. is. Everyone's learning yeah. constantly. Dorfin mm -hmm. especially. I think his evolution from, you know, basically baby Wolverine to farmer is so <laughs> good. <laughs> uh -huh. But on the localization side, you mentioned everyone is very consistent in the series. For the voice, did you do how did you approach translating the voices of the characters? Because it has a very it sounds like Vikings not necessarily like Japanese translation. I would love to be able to take credit for the great localization on that. I mean, I think that the the English strikes the perfect balance between sounding English or sounding, you know, brutal and Vikingy, sounding like it's from the period when it needs to and not when it shouldn't. Mm -hmm. But most of that is Stephen Paul, the translator. He's a wonderful, wonderful translator. And yeah. He's got really range. nails it. Yeah. One Piece yeah. and Venom yeah. Saga are two of my favorite mm -hmm. books. <laughs> The moments editing the first five books that I'm most proud of probably are the ones where I didn't mess with it. Yeah. The one that I'm talking about in particular is the moment in book one where 
Thorfinn finds his father Thor's short swords in a chest, a storage chest, and takes them out. And Thor grabs them out of his hands by the blade and says, who are you planning to hurt with these? And Thorfinn says, my enemies, because there's a war on and everyone's really excited. And Thor says, you have no enemies. No one has any enemies. And coming early on in an action manga about bloodthirsty Vikings, (laughs) this is a big line to drop, right? Yeah. And when I first read it, I went back to the Japanese and I was like, well, really? Like, is this really what's being said here? And sure enough, it is. And I'm, I mean, you have to leave it the way it is because that is the thesis statement for the entire series after that. Yeah. So I keep bringing up Gundam on these podcasts, but it's just because I'm (laughs) diving into this huge ocean. But I watched Gundam War in the Pocket, which is about a young kid befriending a crashed pilot on the enemy team, opposite side, Mm -hmm. opposing force, I suppose. And I got a similar feeling from that as I do from this, where the sides are artificial. Like the sides are like forced onto us by the authorities, let's say. But Mm -hmm. when it comes to you and I, like we're just you and I, like we don't really have a stake in that fight. And Vinland Saga does a great job of like emphasizing the humanity, you know, our shared humanity. We all have dreams, we all have family, we all have wants and hopes. And then war comes along or violence comes along and upends all of that. Right. And at the same time, and this is true in War in the Pocket too, that doesn't absolve you from personal responsibility for your actions. Right. That's the advanced masculinity part. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. Just because you've been put in this circumstance doesn't mean that you don't have agency and that you shouldn't think about what you're doing that that might hurt someone else. Yeah. And that's where all the part about the meditations on religion come in, where he's, you know, mm. he's got this, there's this duel happening between Thorkel and Thorfinn, the first duel between Thorkel and Thorfinn. Mm-hmm. And the series takes a break from that to do an entire chapter called The Definition of Love. Yes. <laughs> about what love is that comes down on the side that love is, the opposite of love is discrimination. And that the love of a father for his son is not love because he would do anything for his son, including allow other people to be hurt. Yeah. And that's not love. And it's such a good thing to contemplate like that. The point earlier about like when he picks up the sword, like, you know, who are you going to hurt with this? That's sort of the same thought process I went through in terms of gun control, you know, mm-hmm. like what's mm-hmm. the point of this? Why do we do this? What, what is the reason? This is a long-running series where we've just got volume 12, which is, takes us up to volume 24 in Japan. He's been drawing this since 2005. Yep. Is it, is it going to wind down? <laughs> <laughs> or is it just going to keep going? It's going to catch up to today. <laughs> yeah, he says in one of the interviews that, that he had the story more or less laid out from the very beginning. And in that time, he's gotten married and had three sons. Mm. which i mean i think is pretty key to actually understand why the story yeah. went the direction it went i mean <laughs> in another one of the interviews he says before i it really wasn't intentional but before i realized that the story was full of fathers and sons <laughs> <laughs> i don't i mean i have no idea i know uh, he did he gave a press interview recently where they asked him what's your you know what's your ambition for your life and he said to finish the saga before i die nice so that's who fair. knows <laughs> but the story i mean I don't know what you what you do with spoilers here. No, oh, feel free. The okay, spoiler alert here, you know, skip ahead a little bit if you need to. But they are finally making it to Vinland. 
Oh. Uh, I was incredibly honored to be part of the research that he did for that arc of the story because they're going to meet uh-huh. some of the native people on Prince Edward Island. Wow. The people that Leaf talks about way back in the beginning when he has that headdress that he's brought over from North America. They asked us to find a cultural expert in the area, and we found these two wonderful linguists and cultural experts from the Mi'kmaq people who are the native people of Prince Edward Island. And they had these long discussions with him where I was one of the interpreters about how society would have been organized, what roles people played, blah, blah, blah. And it was so, uh, I mean, it was beyond my wildest dreams getting to watch him design the characters for that arc. So I'm so, so excited to be able to read it, obviously. (laughs) That's amazing. Oh, wow. There's two series where... And this is kind of a weird feeling, but like if they never came out again, I'd feel content because they're enough. But as long as they keep coming out, I'm going to be happy. Mm-hmm. And it's Vagabond and Vinland Saga because every volume is so good. I'm like, this like, is sufficient. And then it mm-hmm. just keeps getting better and better and better. So thanks for your hand in bringing that over. No problem. I'm so glad that you're enjoying it. It's funny you mentioned Vagabond because I was reading Planetes as well last week. Yeah, and there's a Vagabond shows up as one of the books in, oh, really? <laughs> on a shelf at one point. So <laughs> it's pretty safe to say that Yuki Murasensei is a fan of Vagabond as well. Yeah, I think they're both wrestling with very similar ideas. They both turned mm-hmm. action comics into farming comics around the same time. <laughs> so that's <laughs> very telling. <laughs> uh, Do you have anything you want to let us know about? Anything you want to show? Well, I have one more thing to share about the English edition, actually. Which yeah, I. No one, as far as I know, has caught on their own, but I I think it's been almost 10 years. It's time to actually talk about it. Uh The runes at the top of each cover are actual Futhark Old Norse. We talked with a professor at the University of Nottingham in England and asked him to read the manga and come up with an inscription that might come at the beginning of a saga if this was an actual Norse saga. That is super cool. That's what that text is at the top of the cover. What does it say? I I pulled it up actually, so let me let me read it to you. So it okay. says there was a man called Thorfinn the son of Thors. His uncle was Leif the Lucky who sailed to Vinland. He was a great duelist and warrior. Wow. Good. <laughs> That's so yep. I love the attention to detail. Like, you know, I work in manga as well and like getting to do those kind of little filigrees and touches is such a cool thing. It's one of those things that's super rewarding to you and me. And, you know, then yeah. <laughs> nobody really notices, but it's okay. <laughs> but I think it speaks to the dedication to the original work and to the original creator that you want to put a book out that honors what came before. You know, even though we're translating into another language and publishing in another context. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I got really into runes. Awesome. I bought an, like an $80 book about runes at the time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it was very cool. Cool. You asked me to shill things. Yeah, I I have some recommendations, I guess, for if if you liked Vinland Saga, because this podcast is for people who are new to manga. I have three things from Kodansha, because, Mm -hmm. you know, first of all, To Your Eternity from Yoshitoki Oima, which I don't think you've gotten to on the podcast yet. No, I'm almost caught up on it, though, personally. (laughs) I'm not surprised. (laughs) (laughs) Also, a lot about ways of living and when and whether violence is appropriate and all these why questions that Yukimura-sensei likes asking. So I think there's a lot of overlap there. Which had Atelier, which uh, overlaps with Inland Saga in a different area about uh, ambition and talent. And then I 
I feel like I have to mention Osama Tezuka's Buddha, which has obvious, you know, overlaps with Finland Saga in the historical setting and the musings on violence. But also, uh, you mentioned on the podcast that Yukimura Sensei mixes in caricature on occasion in his art, and that's also something that you know Tezuka. Oh, probably, yeah. I don't, yeah, I, I don't know if Tezuka originated that in you know dramatic works. I realize it was a very different time back then, but it's the Buddha is definitely the first manga I think of when you think of you know caricatures interrupting a dramatic scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the awesome. guy just can't help it, man. <laughs> but it's also a beautiful story about you know the historical buddha and all that so yeah that one's been on my list for a long time it's one that's it's not it's a little bit intimidating to pick up and read because i know it has such like weight to it but i know once i finally pick it up i'll just you know read it just like anything else so i just need to just do it i guess it's scary on the shelf but it's super approachable once you start reading it yeah those are great recommendations Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. This was great fun. I Villain Saga is the series that my colleagues make fun of me because I mention it at least once on every single panel, convention (laughs) panel that I'm on, regardless of whether it has anything to do with the subject matter. So I will talk about it for hours. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. This has been Manga Explaining, episode 44. Thanks for listening. For our next episode, we'll be reading Devilman Classic Volume 1 by Go Nagai. Please consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop. Find one near you at comicshoplocator.com or check out your local library for print and digital lending options. This one's print only, though. You can also follow along with our complete reading list at mangasplaining.com. Thanks to DADS for their musical accompaniment this episode. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.